we're in a series or kind of in a theme for the entire year called Come With Me. We really felt as the leadership of the church that um, God was drawing our hearts to follow him, to go with him. And so we kicked off at the beginning of the year with how to prepare our hearts. Then we transitioned into following the call that each one of us has a specific design call to follow. And we got talking uh, the last few weeks about where do we go from here? And, and here's the bottom line. We cannot do this without the Holy Spirit's help, okay? And so I think it's really important uh, that we teach on the Holy Spirit. And so uh, my job this morning is to actually set the stage to give kind of an introduction into this. Um, And really, here's my hope. My hope is that you will leave this morning with a hunger and a desire to have more of the Holy Spirit in your life. And that you would have an expectancy and an eagerness to actually come to church in the following weeks because you want to hear more about the Holy Spirit. Amen? And so I would make a huge mistake uh, if I were to deliver this message without inviting the Holy Spirit in. (laughs) So let's pray. Father God, we come before you and we thank you for the great gift of your Holy Spirit. And we ask, Holy Spirit, right now that you would begin to move amongst our hearts and our minds. We know that you are present with us always, uh, but sometimes, God, we just need to remind ourselves that you are here right next to us. And so, Lord, we know that you are in this room. We pray now that you would begin to just stir our hearts, stir the spirit inside of us to the truth that you want us to receive. God, awaken this area of each one of our lives. God, Your word says that we have the Holy Spirit inside of us. So Lord, I pray that we would become more aware of you working from within our lives. God, that we become more aware of you, Holy Spirit, in us. And so Lord, I pray I would decrease and you would increase, that the words that I communicate right now would be led by your spirit and not from me. Not my thoughts, not my opinions, but from your heart. And so, Lord, we give you this time and ask that you would move mightily. Stir a hunger in us for more of your spirit. And, Lord, we thank you. And if that's your prayer, say amen. Amen. Um, All right, as we were talking about this as a teaching team this past week, um, it became very evident that um, we are not going to, in, in five to six weeks, we are not going to be able to tell you everything there is to know about the Holy Spirit. DJ uh, came up with a really great illustration. Uh, He said it would be like asking somebody to explain the topography of the United States. How would you explain the topography of the United States? Because it changes and it is different in every location that you go to, yes? Um, In Kansas, it's... It's, it's okay. It's flat. Everybody knows that, right? But it, here in Colorado, man, it depends whether you're on the east side or the west side, the south, north. I, it, it all depends. If you're in the, in the center of our state, the topography is absolutely different. And so as we talk about the Holy Spirit, I want you to understand that the attributes and the characteristics of who he is absolutely is different at different times. Yes? And it, um, I, Lauren actually brought out that it goes beyond our ability to intellectually comprehend him. He is infinite and we are finite. In my little portion on the Easter service, I talked about that and the fact that God will use our intellect, but many times who he is and what he does goes way beyond 
what we can actually understand or comprehend, yes? And so we make a mistake if we tell you that in the next five weeks, we're gonna give you everything there is to know about Holy Spirit. The truth is, we're going to just start to scratch the surface in regards to the Holy Spirit. Uh, Lauren again said something to this effect. Uh, this goes way beyond our intellect, intellectually, uh, intellectual ability to embrace this completely. We cannot write about the attributes of somebody by meeting them one time. Yes? We can't write a story about one person in just meeting them at one time. And in the same way, the Holy Spirit is continually changing. We can, under, we can describe some of the attributes, but there is no way to completely define Holy Spirit in a single series. And so I tell you that because I want to give you the groundwork. Um, our goal isn't to tell you everything there is to know about the Holy Spirit. Our goal is to stir a hunger and a desire to have more of the Holy Spirit in us. Amen? All right, so here's what we're gonna do. I'm setting the foundation and I'm going to read through a ton of scripture because I want you to understand what the word of God says about Holy Spirit, okay? All right, first and foremost, Holy Spirit was with God from the very beginning. In the second verse of Genesis, it reads this. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep and the spirit of God was hovering over the waters. So before anything was even created, Holy Spirit was very much a part of the Godhead, if you will. God, Father, Son, Jesus, Holy Spirit. They were all together, they were all one, and they were all doing the different aspects of the Trinity that we believe and that we teach and that we talk about, okay? But Holy Spirit was from the very beginning of time. You see that? Okay, moving on. Holy Spirit is a third part of the Trinity. And I think people in church sometimes have a really difficult time understanding this. And here's what I mean. When you think of God the Father, now you may not be able to uh, comprehend or picture what God the Father looks like, but you can have an illustration or picture in your mind of God being the Father, amen? And then you know Jesus, he walked and talked on this planet, probably the one that we can embrace the most because he, he lived in this world, he understands the things that we go through, and so we can comprehend the person of Jesus. But when it comes to the Holy Spirit, we have a difficult time comprehending and grasping that Holy Spirit is just as much as part of the Trinity as God the Father, Jesus the Son, and the person, Holy Spirit. And this is really important because for some people, if you don't get that, if you don't understand that he is the third person of the Trinity, then you may have a hard time of understanding how he affects or can, can affect your personal life. Does that make sense? And so from time to time, you'll hear different people either refer to the Holy Spirit as the Holy Spirit or others will simply just say Holy Spirit. Don't get caught up on how people describe him. Understand that the reason that it, being said Holy Spirit that way without the is to bring out the person of Holy Spirit. Does that make sense? And to get really technical and geeky, if you go into the Greek as I understand it, um, every time I see Holy Spirit in the New Testament in the Greek, the word the is actually in parentheses, like it's not really there. But we have put the word the because it sounds better in our vocabulary, yes? And so here's what's funny. I go back and forth. I have already caught myself as I'm speaking this morning. I've said the Holy Spirit. And then at times I've said Holy Spirit. Here's the emphasis. He is a third person of the Trinity. 
Okay, it's not a wisp, it's not a cloud, it's not a ghost. He is a person, and the word of God says that he, um, he leads us, um, he thinks, he speaks, he teaches, he grieves. You know, the Bible says that we can grieve the Holy Spirit. You know why? Because he's a person. He's a person. He's the third portion of the Trinity. Does that make sense? Really need to grab a hold of that because that can change the focus and, and how you have view Holy Spirit working in your life. In the Old Testament, um, the Holy Spirit um, would come upon people. There's many scriptures that said that the Holy Spirit would come upon them to give them special abilities, whether it would be artistic abilities, leadership abilities, strength, um, supernatural feats of strength, uh, courage, uh, different things like that. But it also says in the Old Testament that sometimes he would fill the person to do these things. Here's, from my understanding, here's what I would submit to you. I don't see anywhere in the Old Testament where somebody is filled or has the Holy Spirit upon them all of the days of their lives. Holy Spirit comes upon them or fills them as God wants to use them to accomplish what God is trying to do. Does that make sense? Okay. Um, In the Old Testament, God promised that the Holy Spirit would come. Just read a couple scriptures. Jeremiah 31. There's a lot of scripture that I'm gonna kind of blaze through. Again, just trying to set the foundation all right, and not necessarily go into the deep depths of these scriptures, but I want you to hear what the word of God says about the Holy Spirit. Jeremiah 31, verse 33. This is the covenant I will make with the people of Israel after that time. I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. No longer will they teach their neighbor or say to one another, know the Lord, because they will all know me. From the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord. Now, why is this important? And, and um, why would I bring this out? I want you to put yourself back in the time before Jesus Christ. Because in order for God or for people to hear from God, they actually had to wait until the high priest would go into the Holy of Holies. He would hear from God, he would come back out, he would tell the other priests, the priests would tell the tribal leaders, the tribal leaders would tell the family leaders, and that is how you would hear from the word of God. And so this concept that Jeremiah is speaking about, that the word of God would be written on the hearts and the minds, that, that they couldn't comprehend that. That was, a big, that was a big thing Jeremiah was saying. Do you get that? And I think in church, we take that for granted because now, because we have Holy Spirit in us, the word of God, the the attributes, the precepts, the commands, they're actually written in our heart and in our mind. I I said this last night and and, um, somebody in our interactive part peaked this, but I'll share this story. When I asked Jesus into my heart, something very interesting and kind of trivial, but it, it has not left me in the 30 years that I've been walking with the Lord. And that is this. When I asked Jesus in my heart, something all of a sudden rose up in me that would not let me litter. That was not who I was before I knew the Lord. But um, from the time I asked Jesus in my heart, um, I, number one, couldn't throw any piece of trash onto the ground. And it got even worse for me in the fact that every time I walk by a piece of trash, something tells me, pick it up. Even a couple days ago, I was out on a walk with my wife and I picked up a brochure. I picked up a lid to a soda cup um, and I picked up a straw and carried them with us on our walk until I could throw them away. 
I don't know what changed other than when the Holy Spirit came in, all of a sudden there was something in me, now this is me, my personal conviction, that I can't have trash on the ground. It was not that way before, just something that shifted. All of a sudden, the things that God has for us are written onto our hearts. And the prophet Jeremiah was actually writing about this promise. In Joel, um, the prophet speaks this promise. And, be, and afterwards, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. I will show wonders in the heavens and on the earth, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. So it's clearly the end times. So there's, there's different levels of just even the prophetic in the middle of this. And verse 32, and everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Will be saved. And when you call upon the name of the Lord, the promise was that we would then have the spirit of God inside of us, both men and women, and that we would have the spirit being poured out not only into our lives, but so that we could pour out into other people's lives. Anybody who called on the name of the Lord would be saved. This was the promise that Peter actually quotes at the day of Pentecost. When tongues of fire come down and great power, they speak in different tongues, different people of different languages understand what's being said. They rally around this place where this was happening and Peter quotes that verse and says, this is happening right now. Okay. So God promised Holy Spirit into the lives of every believer. Um, then Jesus is born and Jesus makes some very interesting promises. And here's what I want to do uh, to break these scriptures up. Uh, I'm going to read them. And as I read them, I would like you to kind of um, reflect or look into what is the promise of the scripture that I'm reading? What is the promise that Jesus is telling the disciples? And I believe not only the disciples, but setting the stage so that we would understand what he was promising in regards to the Holy Spirit. And so I'm going to start in John 7. And verse 38, whoever believes in me, as scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. By this, he meant the spirit whom those who believed in him were later to receive. Up to that time, the spirit had not been given since Jesus had not yet been glorified. What's the promise there? Say it louder. The Holy Spirit, okay, absolutely. Promise the Holy Spirit. What's the thing that will be running through us? Rivers of living water. So Jesus is speaking to the disciples and he is saying, hey guys, I want you to know that anybody who believes in me, rivers of living water will flow from them. And then John wanted us to make sure that, he under, that we understood as we were reading this, that he meant the Spirit. The Holy Spirit. So Jesus is promising this Holy Spirit that's going to come and give us living waters flowing from us. But then John wants us to make sure that we understand that they had not yet received that when they heard this. Do you see that? So Jesus walked and talked with these disciples and he's teaching them and he's saying, hey, look, anybody who believes in me is going to have these rivers of living water flowing through them. You don't have it yet, 
but it's coming. I'm giving you this promise. Do you see that? All right, John 14, Jesus again. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. The spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. What are some promises from Jesus' promise about the Holy Spirit here? An advocate, very good. What else? There's more promises in here. Help us, okay, it's good. Say it again. Spirit of truth, okay. There would be truth that we would know. Sound kind of like some of the prophetic words in Jeremiah, yeah? That we would know the truth, okay. Any other promise that you see in there? You will know him and what? And see him because he will live where? In you forever. Okay, can you imagine what the disciples were thinking when Jesus said these words? Again, I think we take this for granted because there is this great thing that happens when we call upon the name of the Lord, the Holy Spirit, boom, is deposited into us. How much of him do we get? All of him. We get, and so we just kind of, you know, we go from not knowing the Lord to knowing the Lord on, oh, hey, there's this little voice in us, right? This, this Holy Spirit that's speaking and helping us. These guys were in this middle between where they're listening to Jesus, but he is making these incredible promises and they hadn't received that yet. Do you, does that make sense? And what incredible promises he was speaking. I don't have this scripture, but it does make sense a little bit more when Jesus said, it is better that I go so that you can receive this. Because as you start to hear these promises, you begin to go, oh man, that's amazing. These things are really good. Let's keep going. Uh, John 14, 26, Jesus' words. But the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and remind you of everything I have said to you. Promises. Teach you. He will teach you. Uh, okay, and here's what he says. He will teach you how many things? Dude. I, are you wondering? Are you in place of confusion? Could it be you're not tapping into Holy Spirit? Because I'm here to tell you what Jesus promised is that the Holy Spirit would come and teach you all things. All things. Man, if we actually really comprehended and got this in the capital C church, we wouldn't need pastors. Now, granted, Ephesians says that we're here to equip and train, so there's, there's a yin to this yang, but... Um, understand that if we truly believed that we had the one that gives us all things, teaches us all things, how much more powerful would we be? And yet we wait for somebody to teach us something. When Jesus promised, no, the Holy Spirit will teach you all things. What's the next promise in there? Remind you of what? Everything that Jesus has said. You wonder what Jesus thinks about a situation? Ask Holy Spirit. Because he according to Jesus' promise, will tell you everything that he taught. You guys see it? Now, in both those last two verses, it speaks about an advocate. 
we've taught this, but I'm just gonna make sure everybody's on the same page. That word advocate is the word paraclete. I know that Lauren even just taught this recently. Um, but here's when you break it apart, here's what it means. It means to be close by and to call out. Okay, so here's what both of those verses promise that Jesus said. I'm gonna give you someone that's gonna be very close to you and call out of you the things I put in you. That should be very encouraging. God so loved us that he sent Jesus so that he would give his life, why? So that we could have access to the Father through the Holy Spirit so that he could come close to us and call out of us the things that he put in us when he created you. If you're wondering why you're here, man, I don't even know why I'm here. I'm here to tell you, you're here for a plan and a purpose. And it's not by accident that you are walking on this earth today. You have a purpose and a plan. And the Holy Spirit, if you will invite him in, he will, he will teach you what that purpose and plan is. Don't, don't trust on somebody else because many times somebody else's counsel will lead you astray. The Holy Spirit will not. He will guide you. He will lead you. And this whole series is going to be about how do we come with him? How do we follow Jesus? Well, we need the Holy Spirit to lead us into those things so that we can walk and keep in step with him. Yes? Okay. John 15. Again, I understand there's a lot of scripture, but I want you to realize that this was very important to God the Father and Jesus the Son. They both wanted us to know this. They wanted us to comprehend and get this, not only intellectually, but into the depth of who we are, if you will. John 15, verse 26. Here's that word again. When the advocate comes. Okay, so Jesus is clearly saying, hey, you're gonna have somebody close by you pulling things out of you, calling things out of you. He says it over and over and over. Then he goes on whom I will send to you from the Father. The spirit of truth who goes out from the Father, he will testify about me. And you also must testify, for you have been with me from the beginning. Okay, what's the promises there? Yes. So the promise is that the Holy Spirit will be in us testifying about Jesus in order that we don't just receive it and get these great promises, which is awesome, but that we would take them and testify and tell others about him. So it goes beyond just you and me individually, but it goes into the collective of, here's how we're going to tell the good news to the world outside of us. We're gonna tell them because of the Holy Spirit in us. And here's the great thing. You don't need to know every word of this book. You don't have to have it memorized, though it is good to memorize scripture and it is really good to get in this. It will absolutely help. But the truth is, if you have the Holy Spirit in you, he will give you the words to speak when you go to proclaim who Jesus is. Why? Because if you listen to the Holy Spirit, he's testifying about Jesus and then you just simply listen to him and testify what he tells you. Yes? If you've been afraid to share, um, maybe stretch yourself, step out, and trust and ask the Holy Spirit to lead and guide you in proclaiming and testifying about who Jesus is. All right, how about this one? John 16. I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear. <laughs> I, this, this section of scripture, uh, chapter 15, 16, 17, I, Jesus' last words to the disciples 
And I, I love what he says here. I have much more to say to you, but you can't, even, you can't even comprehend it. It just goes back to what we were talking about at the very beginning. The Holy Spirit is infinite and we are finite and there's just no way we're gonna be able to comprehend all of it. But do you want more of it? Do you want more of him in your life? And so Jesus said, hey, I have more to say, but more than you can bear. But when he, who's he? The spirit of truth comes. He will guide you in all the truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears and he will tell you what is yet to come. He will glorify me because it is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. All that belongs to the father is mine. That is why I said the spirit will receive from me what he will make known to you. Okay, what's the promise there? It's so good. And your name is Kiki, is that right? Yep. First time here. Thank you for speaking up. That's absolutely amazing. Um, but you, you got it. The promise is this. Jesus said, hey, I only do what the Father tells me to do. And here's what's going to happen. I'm going to ask God what he's doing. And then he's going to tell me. And so I'm going to tell the Spirit. And the Spirit's going to tell you. That's, that's what he says. That's what the promise is. Because of Holy Spirit, it is better that I go because no longer will you have to wait for me to tell you what's going on. I'm gonna hear from the Father, I'm gonna tell the Spirit, and the Spirit's gonna tell all of you whenever he wants, as he leads, as he directs. I'm gonna find out from God, and then I'll tell the Spirit, and the Spirit will tell you. How cool is this? Do we live this way? I want you to wake up tomorrow morning going, all right, I have got the Spirit, the third part of the Trinity, inside of me and he's hearing from Jesus what the father is telling him so where are we going today Lord where are we going all right so just to recap real quick promises about the Holy Spirit that Jesus spoke of I'm going to read these real quick he promises that rivers of living water will flow from within us if you want to follow and see these they're on the notes you can scan the QR code and follow along but um, if you want to go back and get these Make sure you scan before I finish and hit save, and then you can refer to them at any time. Rivers of living water will flow from within you. You will have an advocate close beside you calling things out of you. You will have a helper, a truth teller. He lives with us. He lives in us. He will teach you all things. He will remind you of everything Jesus said. He will testify about Jesus. He will guide you in all truth. He only speaks what he hears. He tells you what is to come. He will glorify Jesus. He will take what Jesus hears from the Father and make it known to you and he will give you the ability to testify about Jesus to the world. Cool? I mean, if you didn't hear anything this morning, I hope you heard that. Because the third person of the Trinity who dwells and lives in everyone that professes Jesus as Lord and Savior, these are the promises for us. And so we live in a world where there's such doubt and skepticism. And I would just submit to you, hey, church, um, don't succumb to that doubt and that skepticism. How about this? How about let's give our doubts and fears and all the things to the Spirit of God and ask Him. Let's have the filter of Holy Spirit before we start to really allow these things to ruminate in our heads. Yes? And He will lead us from within. Now, something very interesting that I want to point out here. In all of those promises that Jesus taught the disciples, right before he died, there is no mention of power. 
There's not a single mention. I was looking for it, and maybe, maybe somebody can find it. But in my study, I couldn't find anything where it talked about the power of the Holy Spirit in these teachings. It all had to do with him being the advocate, him guiding us, teaching us, leading us, telling us what the Father's going to say. I didn't see anything that talked about power. And I think many times when we refer or speak about the Holy Spirit, we think about the power of, of God in our lives. Yes? Okay. Jesus dies. He raises from the dead. And then he begins to teach a few additional things to the disciples before he ascends to the Father. I want to read a few of those. John 20, 21. Again, Jesus said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. Verse 22. And with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Okay, so now get this. He has made all of these promises to the disciples. And yet, because Jesus hadn't been glorified yet, they didn't have that yet in them. As I read it, as I see this. Jesus dies, he raises from the grave, and he appears with the disciples, and he's teaching them, and he says, okay, here we go. Now it's time that some of these promises are given to you. And so he breathes on them, and says, receive the Holy Spirit. Now, real quick, if Jesus breathes on you and says, receive, how many of you know it takes? Is there anybody, any, anybody that says that it didn't take? The disciples that were there that he breathed on, I believe in all my heart, went, and now had the Holy Spirit. In my opinion, this is when they were born again. Because now they have Holy Spirit in them. And all the promises that Jesus had been talking about. Now Holy Spirit is in them, dwelling in them, leading them. This is why just days before, they all ran away from Jesus. But in the weeks to come, they all boldly and courageously professed the name of the Lord, even dying. Why? Because now they had Holy Spirit. Do you guys see that? Powerful if we comprehend this. Because somebody that understands who's in them can, can be greater than anything in this world. But the devil comes to try to steal that and to make you think you're weak. But I'm telling you, if you've called upon the name of the Lord and you've asked Jesus in your heart, then you have the spirit of God and you have everything that you need to do whatever he calls you to do. And that was the in my opinion, one of the biggest differences from the disciples. They all ran away. Now they boldly professed and proclaimed and even gave their lives. Okay, so that's when they received that indwelling of the Holy Spirit. Luke, oh, by the way, that word receive, and I want you to get this. It says receive the Holy Spirit. When you look that word up in the, in the Greek, it means to take hold of aggressively, actively accepting what is available. And so church, my heart and my hope is that I'm stirring a hunger in you that you would want to aggressively and actively take hold of this promise. We have to fight for this promise because the enemy will tell you that you don't have anybody leading you. God would say you have the God leading you. The third person of the Trinity is in you leading you. Aggressively and actively accept this promise. Amen? All right, Luke, who said uh, at the beginning of his letter, I, he was not there during this whole thing. Um, he actually said, I have thoroughly investigated these things so that I could write in an account. And at the end of his gospel, 
he actually says these words um, that Jesus professed. I am going to send you what my father has promised. Okay, what is that promise? Holy Spirit. Spirit. So, So Luke is saying, hey, I'm going... That Jesus said, I'm going, it's coming. I'm about to send that promise to you, okay? Then he says this, but stay in the city until you have been clothed with power. Ah, here's the power. Stay in the city until you've been clothed with power on high. Now, Luke writes the gospel of Luke, and then he writes Acts, and he does a, a little bit of a, an overlap in the first chapter of Acts, and so we need to read the context of this, um, and then I'll explain what I believe in this. I'm not going to say thus say the Lord, but what I believe in this. Acts chapter 1, verse 4. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then they gathered around him and asked, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know the times or the dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive what? Power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. After he said this, and this is key, I want you to get this. After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes and a cloud hid them from their sight. In other words, what Luke is saying is that he said this about waiting for the power to come upon him and then he ascended to heaven. Which then, if you go back to John's account, the breathing of the Holy Spirit had already happened. Yes? So in other words, the indwelling of the Holy Spirit was in them, but Jesus said, wait, there's more. Wait, there's more. And the promises before he died were all about the Holy Spirit directing and leading us from within, and after he died and rose again, it was all about an empowerment that Holy Spirit was gonna give. I don't know why. I, this is just a pattern I see, and here's what I believe. And you read through the book of Acts, and you will see experience after experience after experience where the power of the Holy Spirit came upon people. Acts chapter 2, day of Pentecost, they're in the upper room. What were they doing? Waiting. Why? Because Jesus told them to. And they were just doing it. They were just waiting. They were waiting. What are we going to do? I don't know. Can you imagine the discussion and arguments? Are we supposed to go today? Should we? I don't know. Let's wait. What did Jesus say? Wait. Okay, we're waiting. We're waiting a long time. And then all of a sudden they're praying and tongues of fire and a rumbling so loud and so chaotic that people were gathered around. Tongues of fire came upon them and empowered them in very powerful ways. I don't have time to go into all the different experiences, but read through the book of Acts. In chapter four, they're praying and the room is shaken and they boldly proclaim the word of God. In Acts chapter um, uh, eight, Samaria accepts Jesus into their heart, but then the disciples lay hands and the Holy Spirit comes upon them. Um, In Acts chapter 10, the, the Gentiles, the word is spread to the Gentiles and while Peter is professing the message to the Gentiles, it says the power of the Holy Spirit, oops, power of the Holy Spirit came upon them and so much so that Peter at the end of, they were, it says that they were astonished that the power of the Holy Spirit had come upon the Gentiles. And then Peter said, uh, we better get these guys saved. 
Now that's my translation, but basically what he said is, we better get these guys baptized. Why? Because the power has come upon them. They haven't even professed Jesus as Lord yet. They've heard, and because they believed, it was coming. But in my opinion, as I read through it, Peter was like, oh my gosh, these guys need to profess and proclaim Jesus as Lord. Invite him in. They've only heard so far. And Romans 10 and 9 says, if you confess with your mouth. To my understanding, they hadn't confessed yet. They were just listening to Peter tell about Jesus. And yes, their hearts were opening and they were believing it and the Holy Spirit came upon them and they were astonished at the power that was filling them. And Peter said, we better get them baptized. Read the story, super cool. But over and over and over, there's an empowerment. Okay, I don't want to get caught up in the semantics of what it, what it means, but here's what I would submit. I believe that we have a Holy Spirit that indwells in us, that leads and directs and guides us. And then I believe the same Holy Spirit will come upon us to empower us to do the things that God has called us to do that go beyond our ability. I think that, um, I, I think that this, this is where some division in churches come. Because you have some denominations that believe the Holy Spirit indwells people, but they don't believe in the empowerment or the gifts of the Spirit any longer. And other denominations that believe, okay, I've got the Holy Spirit in me, but then the Holy Spirit can come upon me to help me accomplish great things like healing and speaking in tongues and, and just different things. The first... Corinthians chapter 12, gifts. Okay, okay, everybody take a deep breath. I need to take a breath. <laughs> Holy cow. This is much better than last night, so you're getting a better service. Just, just so you know. I feel much better about this. Um, okay, so I got a couple mic runners. I speak all of this. I use all this scripture. I bring all this. Um, I would love to hear what you're thinking. Um, how does this stir in your heart? Um, when we talk about Holy Spirit and moving, um, how, does, how does this resonate with you? What things come to mind? Or, or maybe even, maybe this question, as we move through this series, what things are you hoping that we will, will cover and discuss and talk about in regards to Holy Spirit um, in our lives, both individually and in our church? Hey, what's your name? You're very beautiful. <laughs> my name is Kim. <laughs> That's my wife, in case anybody doesn't know. I just... <laughs> I won't give everybody that same response. <laughs> um, as you're talking, I just feel um, just a word from the Holy Spirit right now. Um, I just felt like he wanted me to ask if there's anybody in the room that feels spiritually dry. You just feel dry as a bone, just barren. If you'd be so bold to even raise your hand if you feel this way. No one. Oh, here they okay. Go. All right. I just felt when you read that scripture that talks about the living water that flows through us, that there's never any reason for us to be dry. We're not dry and we're not barren. And so, Father, I thank you right now, Lord, for that living water, God. In the name of Jesus, we thank you that we are being refreshed and renewed every day, every moment of the day, God. And we just take authority over the accuser and the liar in the name of Jesus that would say that we're dry and that we're barren and we have nothing to offer. And it's just, 
it's just empty. God, we just thank you for infilling us and refreshing us this morning, Lord. I thank you for rivers of living water, Lord, that would move us forward and move us where you would have us to be, God. And we declare right now that we are in step and in the flow of the Holy Spirit and what you're doing and what you're saying, what you're speaking to us in our lives, God. And we thank you, Lord, for a season right now, Lord, where your word and your voice is going to be magnified and come alive in ways in us that we have not experienced before, Lord. We are believing you, Jesus, for more. We believe you, God, for more power, for more life, God, that the resurrection power that lives and dwells, that raised Christ from the dead, lives and dwells in us, God. So we thank you for that resurrection life and for that power this morning, God. And we rebuke every spirit of dryness and barrenness, God, in the name of Jesus, even from the womb, Lord, where there's barrenness, God. We pray for an infilling of the wombs in this church, God, for children, Lord, for offspring that would bring you glory and honor in the name of Jesus. God, we love you, Lord, and we thank you, Jesus, for this season that you're bringing us into and believing you for more in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. I realize that might be a little scary to take the mic after that, Um, but if you would be so bold, again, things that this is stirring up, things that resonating or ruminating in your heart, or again, maybe things that you're hoping that we'll cover right up here. Hi, I'm Karen. Uh, It was really um, refreshing to hear that again from you about what the Holy Spirit's doing, because um, if you're trying to make decisions and you're having a hard time and you think, oh, if, what if I make the wrong decision? What if I, then you don't have to worry anymore because if you're listening to the Holy Spirit, you're going to make the right decision. And that's just really great to know. Um, I found that recently when I had to, um, I had a tough situation I had to make a decision about. And, you know, I, I cried and prayed and thought, oh, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. Finally went to sleep. The next morning I got up and I said, okay. And it just came to me. And I picked up the phone and I said what I needed to say. And it was just perfect. Mm. It didn't come from me. So that, that's so exciting. Yeah. I don't have to know it. Right. I, it's really freeing when you truly understand that God has given us a way to hear his heart through the Holy Spirit and that actually it's his responsibility to communicate that to us. Now, we have to do our part. We have to have our ears open and, and our spiritual antennas in tune to what he's speaking, um, and we can get good at that. And one of the things we're going to talk about in this series is how do you hear from the Holy Spirit, and how do you hear from God, because that's, that's so key in the middle of this. Um, but it, it's so freeing when you truly understand that I don't have to make this up on my own. Um, God the Father wants to communicate through the Holy Spirit to me to help me understand. And that's, that's incredibly freeing. Right here? Oh. Go ahead, Mark, here too. We'll go with Lauren first. Um, I'm Lauren. I, so what occurred to me while you were, were speaking was um, the contrast between the advocate who the Lord has given us and the accuser. And, um, and mm. just how frequently in our, maybe my church experience or even my personal experience, um, like we have this fear of the Holy Spirit or this like concern, I think because the accuser is like constantly, you know, accusing us and accusing the Holy Spirit, like the Holy Spirit's not trustworthy. Like, we're not sure. We don't know if we can hear him. We don't know what he's doing. We don't know if he's weird. Like, and, and so there's this, mm. that spirit of accusation 
um, that's so present, I think, in the church when we begin to talk about the Holy Spirit based on different people's backgrounds. Um, but the Holy Spirit is a spirit of truth. He's like, there's, he's not the spirit of fear. He's, um, he's an advocate. Like he redeems, he restores, he gives life. And, and there's no, like, there's no reason. I think the accuser is like, I don't know if you want more of him. That's scary. Um, but it just occurs to me that like, that's the voice of the accuser, accuser. They're opposite from one another. And we never have to fear like, God, I always want more of you. I always want more of whatever this is. I always want to hear you more. I always want more power. I always, so like, good. I want more of you. That's so good. So as you're speaking that, the thoughts that came to my mind is the accuser, our enemy, right? He wants to confuse us about Holy Spirit. He's okay if we embrace God the Father. He's even okay if we embrace Jesus the Son. Because if we don't believe the Holy Spirit's in us, then we won't be led by him. And so he tries to get us in confusion about Holy Spirit. So it's really good. Okay, we're going to go over here. Yeah, I love the, the idea that he teaches us and he, everything that, and he reminds us. And I know kind of over the Lent period and, and even before that, there were just things that I was questioning and wrestling with God about. And I was thinking about oftentimes there's this concept, it's okay if you have doubts. It's okay if you question God, but... To me, it should go well beyond, it's okay, it should be encouraged, we should be wrestling with things and trying to learn more and dig, and I think about my kids, and they question everything, and they're, and they're just trying to learn and grasp and figure it out, and, you know, the accuser, in my mind, is, is more like, mm, you're, you're, you're doubting, huh? Yeah. Hmm. Why don't you live in that for a while? Yeah. Why don't you hang out in I, that I doubt? Know. Whereas right. I... I I want to flip that on end and be like, yeah, doubt away, question away, dig in, dig deep, because the Holy Spirit's going to come and going to bring you and talk to you and teach you and, and remind you of everything Christ did so and wants to continue to do. But we got to get away from this idea that any kind of doubt or question is somehow bad or that you, you don't fully believe. It's like, great, dig in. I used to teach a class called Foundations, which I'm actually thinking about doing again in the fall. Um, but one of the things that I began to realize when I started the class is that people would, were discouraged as we went through the class because they had more questions. And I think the enemy would tell you this, that um, in order for you to be really strong in your faith, you don't have any questions. I would submit to you this. He's infinite and you're finite. And the closer you get to him, the more questions you're going to have. And so don't think questions or doubts are, are actually a hindrance to your walk, but understand this. If you have questions, it actually means you're drawing closer to him because the closer you get to the infinite, the more questions you will have, not the less, not the not lesser, if that makes sense. Fewer. Thank you. Thank you, Mark. My name is Burris. Um, this, to me, just screams of... Of relationship. This is all mm. about building this relationship, um, trying to get that the line of communication freed up. Get uh, polish the co electrical contacts. Get try to get the uh, uh, the fluid, those living waters that flow going, where it, 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 it you can use that as a resource continually. Now, like, how, how do you get to know your wife better? How do you get that relationship? Mm. 
you ask questions. You, you, you keep working on that. It doesn't just automatically come immediately. You've got to keep working on that, building that relationship. That's that, so that, good. That you talk about so and that's the heart. Bruce, you just summed up. I should have just had you come up here and say that from the very beginning. We could have just gone home early. Because uh, that's the heart of this whole thing, is that if Jesus is, is crying out to us, come with me. If he's saying, come with me. What is he saying? Walk in relationship with me. And he's given us Holy Spirit to help us to do that. Just so good. You, you asked when you started passing the mic around, like, what we were hoping to, to hear through this series. And quite honestly, like, this, this is new. Uh, I, didn't, I didn't grow up in a church where we talked about the Holy Spirit. So this is a big deal to me. Um, it's actually the reason we came here to shine, um, because we are willing to talk about it. Because in, in my experience... The Holy Spirit was treated like the, the kind of the weird uncle. Like we know he's, we know he's there, but you know we're not going to talk about him. You know everything's kind of weird. Everybody's a little afraid yeah. if he shows up. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, so what I'm hoping to glean from this is there's there's an intellectual aspect of this as well that I just don't understand. Like I don't understand anything about the Holy Spirit. I know that he's there. I feel him, right? But that's what I'm hoping to gather out of this. So I so I guess. First, thank you for being willing to talk about it. And I'm excited uh, about all of it because it's just completely opening my eyes. So That's good. Thank you for sharing that. That's good. I have a couple things to say here. Um, for the one, brother, the one you're, you've not known about the Holy Spirit and the acts thereof, let me say this unto you. Stay prayed up. And those that the Lord use the spirit, the gifts of the spirit, everybody needs to stay prayed up. Because when it feels weird, always go back and check it with the word. Because if it's going to be correct, it's always going to dovetail with the word. And if it doesn't dovetail, we have a problem. And therefore, when there's a problem, you got to fix the problem. Okay, I'm going to jump in real quick. Because I agree with that. But I will also submit this, that I think God stretches us. So for instance, when Jesus spat in mud and stuck it in some dude's eyes, I don't think people are going, well, this lines up with the God I know. And it challenged them. And the fruit was that he was able to see. And so I think I agree with you, but I think the Spirit will stretch us from time to time into things that maybe we intellectually don't have God in our in the, our little box there, and he'll blow that up a little bit. But here's the deal. It will line up with the word of God, yes, and the fruit of it will have life to it. Amen. That makes sense. Okay, second thing you wanted to say? Also, as far as not knowing, there's some folks that have been raised, oh, they're just a bunch of holy rollers, Bible thumpers, that kind of thing. Um, they've never seen somebody speak in tongues or deliver a word of prophecy, so forth, things like that. And it freaks people out because they are not learned. Yep. And that's why things have to be done decently in order so that doesn't happen as long as they know what's going on. And that all falls in the hands of the headship here of this body of Christ here, of how it's dealt with. But as far as the people that the Lord are using... There's a lot of words that should be delivered that is not being delivered because of fear. Yeah. 
Yeah. And we need to, as I don't know if the right word is maybe vessel, whatever, whoever the Lord is using, I use it vessel because he pours his spirit in that cup and you, it's that cup's filled and now it's up to you to empty it and pour it where it's supposed to go. And um, if you're the vessel that the Lord's using, you need to say what the Lord wants you to say because it could be somebody's salvation. Yeah. And um, I believe myself, I was taught and raised that if you don't say what the Lord wants you to say, he may hold you accountable for it. Huh. You may hinder somebody's healing for that. And I don't want to be guilty of that ever. That's good. So the challenge there, I, I love what she kind of caught both things. Because I think many times when we talk about Holy Spirit, people are afraid that we're going to install chandeliers and we're going to start swinging from them. Um, I promise you we're not doing that. Um, and yet, there are things that Holy Spirit, when we really begin to invite him in and, and are led by him, there will be times where he will give you words to speak, maybe corporately, maybe individually. Um, and, and we need to be courageous and bold to speak those things out. And so as we go into these things and start stirring these things up, um, the Holy Spirit is faithful to begin to challenge each one of us. And I don't want anybody to be apprehensive or to be afraid of that. Um, but as I oftentimes say, I do want everybody to be just a little bit nervous to come to church. Why? Because of what God might do and how he's going to move. Um, you know, it's a good thing when the Holy Spirit starts to move in a church. It is a really good thing. Um, and we should desire that and we should want that. Um, okay, so here's what I'm going to do. I'm just going to close with a couple final thoughts. Um, and I would love you to email us if something comes to mind that you would hope that we would cover because we meet weekly as a teaching team and we can, we can talk about those things and see how we can uh, put them in there. Um, and so Wes, thank you for saying that. That was very encouraging to hear. Uh, sometimes I think, you know, oh, nobody really wants to hear this or what that. Um, but Cami has echoed what you just said, which is just the church doesn't do a real good job of teaching about Holy Spirit. And um, so we're going to jump into that. Um, I wanted to conclude um, with, okay, so we've got God promising it. Holy Spirit. We have Jesus promising Holy Spirit and then saying, hey, power's going to come on. I want to read a few scriptures of now Paul who has been ministering with Holy Spirit to the, the churches as they go from Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria to the ends of the earth, right? Because that's what happened. They waited, the Holy Spirit came upon them, and all of a sudden they started proclaiming in Jerusalem. Then they per got persecuted and went out to Samaria, or Judea, then Samaria. We heard chapter 8 of Acts, Samaria hears, and to the ends of the earth, chapter 10, the Gentiles hear. Okay, so what Jesus said and promised actually began to take fruit and, and fruition. And now Paul, who was persecuting Christians, gets radically saved, and he starts proclaiming the good news. And let's just read a few promises that Paul began to realize that he begins to speak over believers, okay? And so we'll go through these really quick, and I'll get you out of here. Romans 8, 14 through 17. Listen to what Paul writes. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. The spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear. Rather, the spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him, we cry, Abba, Father, or Daddy. The spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's 
children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. Paul is saying early on in his ministry, and he wants every one of us to understand that because the Holy Spirit is now in us, he will confirm our heir as children of God. On the count of three, I want you to say, I'm a child of God. One, two, three. All right. Every single morning, I want you to wake up and say that. Because when we say that, it changes the course of how you will focus on your day. Because most people wake up thinking about all the insecurities and lacking they have and struggling to fall asleep at night because of all the things they got to do and trying to figure things out because we're trying to do it on our own accord. But when you understand that you are a child of God, and that's what the Spirit of God in us is screaming all day long. Hey, stop being this way. You're a child of God. If you've ever raised kids, I promise you, you've had this discussion. Hey, this isn't your character. This isn't your nature. This isn't what our family does. Yes? And so we don't handle necessarily the behavior. We, we go to the heart, and that's exactly what God does. He uses the spirit to go to the heart of who we are, and he cries out, you are a child of God. You've been adopted, and you have the rightful heirship, if that's a word, inheritance, that he has for you. You see it? All right, how about this one? Second um, Corinthians 1, 21 and 22. He anointed us, set his seal of ownership on us, and put his spirit in our hearts as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. A couple promises there. He puts the spirit of God in every believer. Every believer. If you've called upon Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you have Holy Spirit. But here's the great thing about it. He is not going to force his way into your life. He's going to say, will you invite me in? But you've been sealed. God has the ownership, the rights of your life. You've been sealed by the Holy Spirit, and he it dwells and lives in you. How about 2 Corinthians 3? Now, the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is what? If you don't feel free today, may that be a litmus test of how much Holy Spirit you're listening to. Because where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all, who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory, are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the spirit. Okay, I don't know about you, but I'm really good at compartmentalizing my life. Certain areas, I will totally let the spirit lead me. And in other areas, I have shut the door, and I haven't let him in. And I'm challenging all of us, myself included, to open all the doors of our lives to let Holy Spirit come in and lead us. Because when he does, there is freedom. If you're bound in something, maybe you haven't opened the door to the Holy Spirit to come in and speak to that area. This last one, Ephesians 1.17. And this was Paul's prayer for the church. And I believe it's Paul's prayer for us today. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ the glorious Father, may give you the Spirit. Okay, real quick, if there's any doubt about the Trinity, it's right here. All three heads, all three parts of the Godhead are right here. I pray, I keep asking that God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the Spirit of wisdom and revelation. Why? So that you may know Him better. Hey, I believe every single person's here today because they want to know God better. 
and I would submit and say thank you for coming here because there's power in the corporate gathering and we get to know him better together. It, it works better when we do it together. But the truth is when you allow Holy Spirit to speak to you, he will reveal you, he will give you wisdom and he will give you understanding to know him better. And so allow him to speak to you. Ask him to speak to you. Pray to the third part of the Trinity, Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, speak to me this morning. Speak to me while I'm having this conversation. Speak to me while I'm at this meeting at work. Speak to me. And then pay very close attention to your thoughts in the midst of that. Because he will give you direction. And he will give you leading. But many times we talk ourselves out of it immediately. DJ said this. He heard a quote about Holy Spirit um, and so it reads this way. It's not so much how much of the Holy Spirit we have, but rather how much of us the Holy Spirit has. Let's just read it one more time. It's not so much how much of the Holy Spirit we have, but rather how much of us the Holy Spirit has. And I'm gonna simply ask you this. How much of you, how much of you does the Holy Spirit have? And will you allow him to take more of your life? Will you give him yourself? Will you say as Isaiah did, here am I, use me, speak to me, direct me. And in this dark area of my life, I open my door to you there. When we do that, that's when the paradoxal kingdom comes because we think we're going to get beaten for it and instead we get freedom from it. Instead of getting crushed by God, he comes and gives us liberty and he sets us free. But it's scary to open those dark places. But I would encourage you, Jesus promised this Holy Spirit that not only would help you, but empower you to overcome these things. And Paul his witness is, wherever the Spirit is, there is freedom. Father God, we thank you so much. We ask that you would uh, open the doors to our hearts in regards to Holy Spirit and how much of us we have given over to him. God, we know that we have all of the um, third person of the Trinity in us as believers. So Lord, it's our part to give us to you. And so, Lord, I pray for every person listening to me right now that they would surrender their lives and their hearts over to you. If there's anybody in this room that doesn't know you, God, it starts with inviting you in. And if you're here this morning or online and you haven't asked Jesus to your heart, just simply say those words, Jesus, come into my life. Invite him in and understand that it is gonna be the greatest decision you ever make and God will come in and begin to change and shift you. It's nothing that you do. It's nothing, how, it's nothing about how you conform your life to a certain pattern. It's simply, will you invite Holy Spirit into your life and then let him lead you in living your life? And for those that have already professed Jesus as their Lord, God, I pray that your Holy Spirit would stir in us and become greater in us more so each and every day. God, we want you, we desire you. And um, as I said, God, use us. Here am I, send us, send me. Open my heart to your spirit. And Lord, we thank you for these things in your name, amen.